band with a smooth style of syncopation. for tuning in you're listening to gaucho amigos i'm alex gonna get right to it today i had a, a really nice chat with lou hater she's a london-based musician and in 2021 she released uh her album private sunshine now when i did one of these uh earlier zoom conversations back in 2021 i was talking to a writer who kind of offhandedly mentioned that he had heard a really great cover of Time Out of Mind uh, by Lou Hader. So after our conversation, I uh, decided to check it out. And yeah, I pretty much had to agree. This was, uh, this was good stuff. <laughs> One of the better Steely Dan covers uh, I had heard uh, in recent years. It's not, not an easy thing to pull off the, uh, the Steely Dan cover. So uh, I ended up checking out the whole album, uh, Private Sunshine, and yeah, I thought the whole thing was great. I don't, you know, I don't really listen to much new music, let alone something uh, like her music, which is kind of like uh, a pastiche of 80s pop. It kind of reminded me of um, early Madonna or even uh, the Human League at times. Um it's not fully my usual wheelhouse, but yeah, something about this album. I kept going back to it. It's kind of been in rotation uh, since I discovered it. Um, and of course, it has this fantastic cover of Time Out of Mind on it. So uh, after you know a few listens, I at some point realized that she was actually following the account. Um, so you know, I wanted to talk to some musicians for this. So I reached out to her and yeah, she agreed to... Uh, to do a Zoom chat, and uh, it should come of no surprise to anyone uh, who's heard uh, how well she pulled off the, uh, the Steely Dan cover that she knows her stuff when it comes to Steely Dan. She is a hardcore fan, and 
So yeah, we had a great talk, not only about Steely Dan, but also other Steely Dan covers and kind of Steely Dan associated or Steely Dan adjacent acts. Um, so without further ado, this is me talking to Lou Hader. Enjoy. chosen to touch a Steely Dan record it wasn't like an intentional thing of I'm gonna cover Steely Dan it was more I just heard time out of mind and I was like I really want to sing this and I wanted to do all the harmonies and and it felt more disco-y and um and I made it and I was like yeah it's good I like it so otherwise I, I wouldn't have gone there because um, I know how loved they are, you know. I know how hard that is to 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 make people happy. You know? Yeah, yeah. The fans. I, I know. I, I mean, believe me, I know. <laughs> yeah, um, people would be like, "Who does she think she is?" But I, I'm actually making a. Um, weirdly, I've been spending my quite a bit of my January because I'm having a bit of a, a rest. Because I've been working like crazy for the last two years, like as soon as they let us out of the house after the pandemic. And so I had a break. But the one of the things I've been doing is making a mixtape of um, all like Steely Dan affiliated acts and things they produce, co-produce, co-written and cover versions. And there's some really great ones, actually. Yeah. Wow. Can you think of any off the top of your head? Uh, covers well i think you posted the um pointer sisters one i did yeah um, I, I made a little uh holiday mixtape like a month ago or i guess it was yeah whenever christmas was and i put some of the covers that i've found over the years and yours was like oh you yours oh, you've was one done of the first well. few <laughs> that i put yeah do you know this one by um perry is that the caves of altamira yeah yeah i did i did actually yeah it's not on spotify or other streaming it's on uh it's, it's on not, YouTube though. no it's on youtube yeah that's a great cover yeah that one is crazy because well i mean it's the arrangement is really good but it's also just surprising like the i think it's the mixture of 
why this group was covering that particular Steely Dan song of all, you know, of all their songs. quite good Maurice Maurice Mobley the glamour profession hmm, I don't I don't know if I know that one it's okay. kind of it's like sort of dancing and like almost cheesy but then when you get into it it's really good um and he's put a lot of detail in you can tell um my friend Pete Fowler he's um I think he might have shown me your account in the first place actually he showed me those last two cover versions um yeah he pops up a lot on, on the twitter yeah. yeah he's a he's well we talk we talk we're on a whatsapp group and we talk like constantly about steely dan i think <laughs> we drive every we drive everybody else crazy on the group so sometimes we have to splinter off to stop to stop people getting annoyed but then um i've also got on here the china crisis album that walter did yes i love that album yeah, I would say it sounds like you've got my whole playlist. The the one that Fagan wrote for David Crosby, which I love, Rodriguez oh, for oh, Rodriguez, and, yeah. And I've got Lazy Nina. Um, yeah, this is what I'm. So I've been listening to. That's great. Yeah, I mean that's a nice uh, spread. Yeah. Yeah, Cross. Um, yeah, the, he because right. He, I mean, he passed away last week, which was. I uh, know. Well, I've I've had him on repeat ever since. <laughs> I mean, I've pretty much had him on repeat anyway. But yeah, but yeah, he's he's my hero. Is he one of your heroes, really? Yeah, absolutely. Also, yeah. he was one of the few people I loved on Twitter. You know, because I don't really engage with anyone on twitter very much i like your account and i really liked his account too you know sort of on a daily basis he was really entertaining so i'll, I'll miss him you know that that sort of interaction that he had too with his audience yeah same i mean he was uh one of the biggest uh steely dan proponents on the on the site Mm. like just constantly talking about how much he loved steely dan and, and particularly gaucho um and just yeah i mean he eventually i actually this is a bit of a brag but the last time i saw steely dan he played with them 
So I was I was there for uh, him. Oh, you were at that? Yeah, because I saw Michael Lenhart. Yeah. He he posted that show um, the other day. Um, yeah, that looked amazing. Yeah, well, he they, I don't I think he actually joined them on stage a few times, but I know that he in particular uh, joined them on stage at the Beacon Theater in New York City for two nights. Yeah, because it it felt to me like towards the end of his life he just wanted to either be in Steely Dan or make music that sounded like Steely Dan because there's that other really cool one that's that like Donald Fagan didn't write it but it sounds like he did do you know what I mean it's got a blue sleeve yeah um I think uh she's got to be somewhere yes exactly right which is amazing. I only just, um, someone, I think, posted it under one of my tweets, and I was like, wow, so good. Yeah, yeah it like... does feel like he just wanted to be in Steely Dan <laughs> towards the end of his life. <laughs> but his voice sounded amazing, like, right up until the end. It didn't <clears throat> show as much wear and tear as perhaps you would have thought. Yeah, it really did. And, and he says that in the documentary. He's like, I don't know how I'm alive, even. But probably the reason, because I think about this, the reason why his voice was so strong, probably because he just never stopped singing, because, you know, your voice is like a muscle, isn't it? And the more you sing, the better you are at it. And I just feel like that's just what he did, you know, like for them all to be sort of harmonising the way they did when they were young, it just feels like they just spent time singing all the time, you know? Yeah, I mean he was and didn't stop doing it from a from the from a very young age, and uh, yeah, he did it for mm. most of his life. Yeah, I just watched the doc actually myself after he died. Oh, so good, it. isn't it? Yeah. But you're you're right. His voice is like remarkably good for his age, and like the amount of drugs he's taken and everything. <laughs> yeah. to this thing called pitch black playback do you have them in america no we don't and i i did want to ask you about it because i saw that tweet that you posted and and yeah really so cool. you see so, so you sit in a cinema and they turn all the lights out and they give you a, an eye mask and then they play um whatever album it is from start to finish and my friend invited me to asia because obviously he knew. <laughs> <laughs> he knew and um and so after I tweeted that she was like can I interview you for this newspaper so you know yeah I think there's just a sort of a sort of wave of steely like young steely dan fans coming up and um I was listening to because uh, I started listening to loads of Donald Fagan interviews and he was saying he thinks it might be because, I mean, I said I think it's because of the warmth that they have um, and everyone's listening to, like, very warm, soulful, 
music, you know. I mean, and obviously they're just brilliant, so why wouldn't everyone listen to them? But um, Donald Fagan thinks it might be because um, the kids now, maybe their parents were listening to Steely Dan when they were babies and it has a familiarity to it. And he also wonders if it's like a sort of... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, backlash against the sort of radio sound mm. that's out at the moment, the sort of overdriven, like EDM, whatever that's on the radio. He was saying maybe people just want like an antidote to that sound. Right. Well, yeah, all the recording is done, was done like in an analog way, right? Up until Gaucho, at least. And that was just like, yeah the very beginning so maybe something about the sound it's interesting you use the word warm because actually i feel like um people accuse steely dan of being like kind of cold and emotionless like they hide all their emotions under um you know like well, i think it's dark. i think it's more like that it's perfect yeah. and smooth but i don't i don't ever find it cold no me neither just... i've never understood that criticism like I've never, yeah. I, I think underneath maybe the the snark, there is warmth there and there is a beating heart. And I think that's what like, you know, ultimately makes it all go down smoothly. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I mean, the revival thing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of theories floating around about why, why uh, Steely Dan is like having this, uh, you know, sort of resurgence. It's like, there's a few bands from that era that for years were kind of on the like do not say you like them list like um mm -hmm. like thinking back to kind of like um like when i was in college you know you wouldn't you wouldn't be caught dead admitting that you were like a big steely dan fan or fleetwood mac is another um right another one that i remember like if you yeah, said, totally. if you told someone like you're a big fleetwood mac fan they would like look at you funny like what like that's yeah for old people are just Absolutely. kind of like lame um but now it's like there's no one bigger like commercials and and like viral video mm. everything is like they're so huge again it's like my friend always says the cream of the crop always rises to the top <laughs> um but the other the other thing about steely dan is they're so enduring because of they're clever you know you know there's all those sort of wave of bands that i i love them all you know but their Steely Dan have sort of store proper store like Joan Mitchell like proper storytelling. It's found the foundations are in jazz, so it's not repetitive as as a lot of the other bands are. So you can listen over and over and over again and never ever get bored because there's so much going on in there. Yeah, I mean, there's so much. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's so much um, complexity in terms of both the. Um, the musical arrangements but also the yeah the stories the lyrics I, i'm it's yeah. weird because it's funny that i've become you know, like i'm such a steely dan head because um usually i don't care that much about lyrics when i'm listening to music like i'm i'm drawn more mm. to um Same. to melody and to like texture and to like you know production arrangements the lyrics to me are just sort of this like uh, like a lot of times I zone out. I don't even listen to what's being sung. Um, yeah, I'm exactly the same. I mean, even before I really started to unpack the songs and trying to like decipher their meaning, I 
would like laugh at you know the way at certain lines and also the way they were sung by Donald his delivery it's yeah they're really funny tone that he takes that's like completely unique so like for example Babylon Sisters was one of the first something about his uh, delivery was so striking and and like it, it kind of made me just like I had a smile on my face while I was listening to him sing this weird song yeah was that your experience funny. too yeah, he still makes me laugh. Like, you know, you'll just hear something new and be like, oh, that's really funny. Yeah, I was just yeah. struck recently. It's, it still happens where I'm like, so I'll pick up on something that I never heard. For the the most recent one for me was uh, uh, on Green Earrings. When he comes mm. in with the line, uh, Greek medallions. And that first right. word, when he says Greek, he goes like, Greek in this completely yeah. bizarre way. Like, I just, I don't know. It makes me laugh just to hear. Like, if you isolate him, the vocal of him just saying, singing the word Greek, it's almost like a weird shout. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not... anyway, I'm rambling. I love, um, turn, I love Turn Up the Eagles. The neighbors are listening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... And a... also, you know, you know, Steely Dan fans, can you, because you can be like, is there gas in the car? And they'll be like, yes, there's gas in the car. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's one of the secret handshakes is that line like, yeah, to turn up the eagles there's certain lines that are these little handshakes right yeah Greek. Uh, well uh, when i heard donald on this podcast they said um what's your favorite record you've made? And he said like the last, is it Everything Must Go or something? Like the last Steely Dan album, because he was like, that's when we'd finally perfected our sound. Whereas to me, I'm like, that's nowhere near as good as the ones before it. But that's the one he likes. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, he. I've, I've heard him, uh, maybe it was at a concert. I heard him complain, either complain or at least state that he thinks that everything must go is a very underrated album. Um, right, however, yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll grow into it. Yeah, like I mean I that's the least outro. favorite among fans so far. I think. I mean, I, a lot of yeah. fans do love it, but it it obviously doesn't have the. I like, think that's one. I might be wrong. He definitely said like one of their last last albums. Um, and I thought I think it was that, but I could be wrong. No, you could be right. You could be right for sure. Well, it's interesting because yeah, also... Maybe we're just not there yet because it took me a while <laughs> to get into Gaucho. It took me years. I didn't like it. And then that's when I first heard Time Out of Mind because after I went to see them, I then started listening, finally listening to Gaucho and now I'm like completely obsessed with it. Yeah, it's funny because Gaucho was kind of divisive. Like... um again, until I think recently, the Steely Dan revival, like Asia was always the most beloved, but I think Gaucho now kind of rivals it. I think that mm. it was, I think people found it, uh, it kind of went too far in, into the, the smooth territory, like for a lot of people. Yeah. How it's just, it's so, um, like, <clears throat> it's, it's so almost like plastic sounding or, or I don't know, just very, um, yeah, it's almost like, 
uncomfortably smooth in this in this way. Um, there's Asia, mm, I think, has well, a little bit have a warmer sound to it. Well, I learned from this same interview that what that Goucher comes from that Keith Jarrett song. Do you mm. know it? Yeah, I, I've heard that uh, it was heavily borrowed. That Gaucho was heavily borrowed from like the Keith Jarrett song, and that he sued them. Well, yeah, well, and they had to give him money because, to be fair, you listen to it and you're like, "Oh, that's Gaucho," but <laughs> <laughs> Gaucho's got a song over it, and then it changes a bit. But have you heard it? Because once you hear it, you'll be like, "Oh, wow!" Yeah, it's a that's heavy, heavily borrowed. Uh... <laughs> Very heavily borrowed. Yeah. And then later, which is they... fine, totally fine, but, but of course, but yeah, it, I was just—it's just I only just heard it, and I was like, oh wow. Yeah, and then it's a bit hypocritical of them because then they later took umbrage with the uh, the hip hop sampling of a lot everyone, of everyone. Yeah, so, yeah, a little bit of a hip hypocrisy there, Donald and Walter, <laughs> but we'll let it slide. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that too. Yeah, do you, I mean? Do you have any idea why you think? you know, like what it was about Gaucho that you didn't like at first, but then later grew to love, because I feel like that is a common trajectory for that record. Yeah, it was the kind of smoothness of it. It was too smooth. So why Time Out of Mind? Why why that song? Just you were... Uh, I just, I felt like it had a bit of a sort of disco leaning to it, which I hadn't really heard in any of their other music maybe in Peg, I don't know, I just, the beat, it's quite sort of like Billie Jean kind of, sounds a bit like Billie Jean, and I was like, oh, it's got all those lovely harmonies, and um, and I just, sometimes I hear a song, and I just feel compelled to do a version of it, and I, I try it out, and if it works, I go with, I roll with it, you know, and, um, and that was one of those songs, I just, as soon as I heard it, I was like, yeah, I want to I sing this. I also have a, a vocal range that sits in a quite masculine range, so I oh. I and I end up covering men's songs quite a lot because that's where my vocal sits. Like I'm not a very high high ranged singer. I feel like I mean, and again, maybe you you had a different experience it as the the architect of it, but I one thing I appreciated about your cover is you didn't just try to do like an you didn't do it for accuracy you weren't doing an impression of donald you weren't necessarily no. an impression of <laughs> I the don't, Dan. Think I'm able to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you you took it in this like you isolated the sort of the the pop uh, deliciousness of it all which is there it's not fully in the original but you kind of took that like you said you took the disco uh element of it and kind of ran with it and kind of transformed it into this almost completely different thing yeah 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 i i i sort of built a new groove over it actually 
which is quite um, irreverent. A few people commented on it on YouTube, but that's all right. There was a comment on, on one thing I saw, and it was this guy was like, oh, this guy was like, yeah, this is a really great cover, and someone wrote underneath it, oh, that's great coming from the guy that mixed the original record, and I Googled his name, and it was the guy that mixed the original, and he liked it. So that was very sweet. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In terms of, um, in terms of getting, cause you still get the textures of kind of like what I would think of as like more vintage pop music. So pop from like maybe the eighties or nineties. Um, I mean, yeah, it's not, that, you're not that... replicating this, the gaucho sounds, but it's sort of still evoking that era. I mean, how do you, how do you get that sound? Well, I, I grew up in, in that time, like the first record I bought was Madonna, True Blue. And, and I just think it's in my, you know, people say, oh, your stuff sounds like early Madonna. Not that I'm saying I'm anywhere near as good as that, but um, there's something in there. And I think that's just in, you know, those were my formative years. So that's sort of really with even like Stock Aitken and Waterman and stuff. That's what I listened to um, the first sort of five, ten years of my life. So um, it's just it's just in my sort of ingrained in me. It's like eighties pop music. Yeah, it's in your your musical DNA or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I definitely hear the early Basically. Madonna, uh, the synth yeah. sounds on. Um, yeah, like my baby just cares for me and still dreaming. It's it's like very. Human League too, I, I hear yeah, or, or quite Banana Rama, I think as well. Okay, and I, I don't try to do it either. I, right. It just happens like that. <laughs> so, um, right. it's all in there. Yeah, but you know that to me, that's like the golden age of pop. So, I um, I'm happy that I grew up then and I sort of absorbed it all. You know, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm I feel the same way, and but I, you know. I feel like a lot of people try to do the 80s pop thing, but they don't succeed where you do succeed. And I'm trying to figure out why that is. Because <laughs> you... Well, there, maybe... there's, there's 80s and think? there's 80s. I just think there's so many sounds of the 80s because um, there was so much incredible music then. But you've got, say, like what The weekends doing. Um and that's one side of the eighties, and then I don't know. There's, there's just, um, there's just, there's just loads of different sides of it, I guess. Hmm. That's, I that's a know. nice way of putting it. <laughs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> there's yeah. Just, there's just so, there's just so much to draw from. Yeah, it's a mad, it's a mad time. You have like, oh, Superman by Laurie Anderson at number one. And now we never get a record like that or Ghosts by Japan, like totally mad records in the top 10. It was very brave and, and experimental at the 80s, I think, for pop music. And and everything now is a bit homogenized and, you know, you wouldn't get anything like that near the top 10 or yeah. even near the charts. You never get those. If you pay someone only Superman now, they'd be like, what is that? It's mental. <laughs> and you think it was some sort of obscure tune, not something that got to number one. Uh -huh.
This is the hand. The hand that takes. Here come the planes. They're American planes. Made in America. Smoking or non-smoking. Yeah, why do you think there was more of a mass mainstream acceptance of, of something like that song, like uh, Laurie Anderson's Oh Superman or... or um, um, I just think it was yeah, a brilliant time for music. Yeah. It was a brilliant time for music. People took more risks. Maybe there's more money. And, and now people are all just following because there you don't make money from music that easily now because of streaming. You know, you had record sales then and everyone bought, everyone, not just music lovers, bought records and bought tapes and bought CDs. And they would be spend, you know, just, just your average person would be spending like decent amounts of money every month on music because that's what you did. And now people just spend $9.99 a month on their Spotify fee. So there isn't the money and there isn't the risk taking interesting yeah yeah i mean i know that uh in terms of those later steely den records there was like a huge amount of risk taken by not not just a band but by kind of the whole process so like you know all of the people who are involved in the making of that record um all the session players all the engineers all the, you know the studio you know the the uh the record label itself um you know just probably financially how much they invested i i wonder if that you know, that ecosystem of, of record making, does that really exist now? I feel like it doesn't. Well, I think if it does, they, they make sure it's a surefire win. Like mm -hmm. this will hit these algorithms and this sounds just like that. So that will sell mm -hmm. to that group of people. And um, we've got to hit, you know, but sound wise, I don't feel like in the charts, there's much variation yeah, because it's but it's not to, not to say they don't spend the money, you know, they'll spend the money on on the big players because they'll make it back, and the stuff that all will you know will will sell, but it has to be a guarantee for them, right? Before they put money in, they they, they can't afford to to take risks. I see. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I agree with everything of what you just said. Um, one thing that I was just thinking about is I'm surprised that Time Out of Mind actually wasn't a bigger song itself. Do you know what I mean? Like the original, because I had never heard it until I actually sat down and listened to Gaucho, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Like, I don't remember that one being on the radio as a kid. I know Hey 19 was, and I know Peg was, mm. but Time Out of Mind wasn't. Are you, are you right. so surprised I, by I that? mean, I, I couldn't, I just wouldn't be able to tell you because I I just never heard them till yeah much you know till I was 16 15 16 years old so when they were coming out I just wasn't aware of, of them yeah uh one decision I noticed is that which I, I thought was also interesting to make your version more of its own is you did not include that kind of like instrumental breakdown <laughs> 
You're not the first person that said that. <laughs> yeah. It's complicated. <laughs> it's like, how am I supposed to shoehorn that into to my version of it? Yeah, that's probably daunting to take that on. I mean, it wasn't, but what, but what I thought you did that was I mean, brilliant. I didn't even think of that. I, I built that yeah. first groove and then I was like, there you go. And then we just, we were like, <laughs> This needs a guitar solo. Oh, it would have been, I guess, sax or guitar. And then we just put the guitar solo on, and I was like, "Let's just let that run till the end because it's so good. Just leave it. That I don't need to sing over it. Just leave it to roll to the end." And then it didn't really need another section. But yeah, it would have. That section would have been a bit complicated, probably. Well, in a way, you kind of captured this, like alternate history version of what that song was because other Steely Dan songs from that time kind of end with or you know kind of the second half is is features a big guitar solo that sounds it's like in the same vein as the one that you included so like I'm thinking of um, the solos on Kid Charlemagne or Peg so I feel mm. like the solo that Sorry, who was the guitar player who did the solo on? on so that I got lucky actually. It's Jeff Wooten from Gorillaz. So he's Damon Albarn's guitar player. He was in a session with my other mates, Jamie from Claxons. Well, they were all doing a project together, and I was like, "Would you just do do me a solo?" And he was like, "Yeah, no problem." So they let me come in very kindly and and just play this, and then um. I started trying to explain to Jeff what I wanted. And I was like, so sort of a steely damn feel. Shall I play you a couple of... And he's like, no, 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 I've got it. And I was like, yeah, but why don't I play you a couple of things and you can... And he was like, no, I've got it. And then he just played that thing, like, straight off the bat in one. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's got it. He's good. <laughs> so Is that um, in one I, take? <laughs> pretty much. I oh. think we may have comped it. I think we might have comped one little bit out, but um, every take he did, it's like when you watch the Asia thing and there's all those great solos. Every <laughs> take he did, we were like, wow. Because I'd never really seen him in that. I knew him. Um, I've known him for years and I know that he's in Gorillaz, but I'd never really seen him in action. And we were literally like, what the hell? And um, yeah, he's he's amazing. Yeah, so I was very lucky to have him on that. Because yeah. that was the song done, do you know what I mean? I didn't need to do anything else. Yeah, no, I thought he nailed it. I mean, at least you didn't have to go through the process of, like, doing a thousand takes, you know, to get that. Like, yeah. they did in uh, on Asia or so whatever. We, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Martin, oh, um, I must I must me mention Martin Dubker, who I made the cover with, and he's on bass is he on bass yeah he's on bass on it yeah yeah it's me on keys martin on bass and jeff on guitars got it that's it just the three of you yeah wow wow yeah no it's mm. great it's it's honestly in and i'm not just saying this because of you know i mean one of the reasons i wanted to talk to you is because i was like my my sort of pantheon of steely dan covers because i i really do think they're one of the hardest bands to cover I, th I think it's a combination of the, mm. the musical complexity and also I think the voice is so hard to do that it just, when you hear someone else singing what you know in your brain as Donald's voice, it always just sounds a little off. But I think 
the best way to to handle it is to just take the song in a kind of completely different direction. Um, yeah, totally. I thought, I thought you you did that beautifully. So, anyway, yeah. that's why I wanted to. That's why I wanted to talk to you. I was like, okay, I want to talk to someone who pulled off the the high wire act of, of <laughs> Billy Dan. And well, I'm glad that you like it because yeah. uh, that's very high praise from your account. Thanks. You also uh, you did another cover. No, but you did another cover that I like, uh, Pinball. Yeah, do you like do you like the Brian Prothero one? So it's funny because I had never heard of him until like, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago on um it was actually on my my Spotify Discover Weekly. That song just like popped up. Right. Or it was like the algorithm. That, that was one I have to I have to give props. The algorithm found it and fed it to me and uh yeah i i really liked it and i was like well, what is this brian prothrow pinball and i don't know i've listened to that song like a number of times and then when i listened to oh, it's, album, stunning, like, isn't it? it's so good yeah stunning i love that song so yeah. much i just love it got a call from a good friend come on down for the weekend didn't know if I could spare the time I knew a woman who was crazy About a boy who was lazy But it didn't work out Cause they just couldn't make it rhyme Yeah, he says in it, the cat just finished off the bread. And someone wrote under my Instagram, what what cats eat bread? And I was like, do you know what? My cat actually weirdly eats bread. He oh, just really? ate, I have to put my bread in the fridge because he eats it. So if you he leave bread out, your cat will eat the bread? <laughs> yeah, I just got a Turkish takeaway. And you know, they give you flat bread with all your food. And um, I had to just go and put it in the fridge because he eats it. Huh. Um, but aside from that, um, he so he wrote it for a musical. Yeah. Um, and then I think he was an actor and he just wrote that. And they were like, oh, this is really good. So they released it. But Brian Prothero now is like a voiceover narrator in the UK on a show called First Dates, which is like a, a reality TV dating show. Um, oh, and boy. that's Brian. That's what Brian Prothero does. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know anything about him. I think I've only listened to the full album once. Um, I was kind of hoping that there would be like, and it was pretty Another good. Pinball, I remember. Yeah, yeah but I, that that song is just incredible. Yeah, and I again, I I really like your um, your cover of it. I thought you did a great job. So. I've run out of pale ale 
like I'm in jail And my music bores me once again And I've been on the pinball And I no longer know it all And they say that you never know when you're insane Got fleas in my bedroom Got flies in the bathroom And the cat just finished off the bread but yeah, I like doing covers. I'd quite like to do a covers album. Yeah. What are some others that you might do? Do you know? <laughs> I'm not going to say, but <laughs> you, you, you know, they're nice to do because you don't have to write them. Yeah, that's true. But you if can you can kind them. of locate a different take on it, you know, it's, it's almost like you can keep it fresh. Like that's, that's kind of my general rule about covers is if you're going for accuracy or impersonation, it's, Sometimes yeah it's a little i don't know like well that's another reason that i copy i cover men's songs because then it gives a, a different voice to the you know it gives a female perspective to the song so in it already you've given it a slant and and it's less of a comparison for for, for you as a singer like is is her voice can her voice stand up because i'm not the strongest singer you know but so I don't have to feel like I'm not as strong as the original version if it's the man, because it's just a whole different take on things. Um, there is one tune I, I uh, covered on my own in lockdown, um, but I don't know if I'll ever... I'm not going to say which one it is, but I have done another one. Oh, you did on another Stilly Dance song? <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if it'll ever see the light of oh, day. come on. <laughs> Can you, can you tell maybe, us which yeah. uh, album it's on, and then maybe you know when I if I when I post no, it's it's yeah. one of the early ones that's not on. It's not on any of their albums. You oh, know, you get this... the pre the early oh, years. Oh wow, this is a this is a Becker and Fagan. This is a <laughs> daily. And this is like there's all the bootleg compilations of like Becker and Fagan the early years. It's one of those, huh? But I am toying with actually the second arrangement just because yeah. the second arrangement never properly came out. Mm -hmm. It did not. Yeah. So I thought, well, there needs to be a sort of finished version that exists of it because it's so good. I know. I know. Many have tried. Sounds, few have conquered. <laughs> it sounds like he. It sounds like he just like that album, whole album nearly didn't come out because he ran out of patience. I think they just were so meticulous, which is why it sounds it's so amazing. But maybe it just, they were just like, no, we're not doing the second arrangement as well again. I love the, the line, ciao, buongiorno, baby. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'd really like to sing it. I know. You should do it. I mean, just really just, because I think you, of all, you could do it. You could do a pretty good job of it. I really the only so. problem is there is a range there's a there's a sort of low to high range vocal range in it because it goes up in the chorus and I'm not very good with extreme lows or extreme highs so I might not be able to manage it vocally but I like certainly the verses I just love because it goes into a falsetto I think in the chorus right yeah exactly yeah I love the it's verses not, yeah not it's my it's not my forte that it's not. Well, it's interesting because it also makes sense because you said the reason 
you wanted to cover time out of mind is because you sensed a sort of disco uh element in it and i feel like even more than time out of mind and more than anything steely dan ever released the second arrangement has a disco feel to it do you think i do think so yeah if you listen you, I, you could probably bring that out of it yeah exactly which is why i nominate you to <laughs> to be one of the official tacklers of uh of bringing yeah. uh, the second arrangement back to life tackle is the word all right i'll i'll i'll, I'll try Rosie Baylor Tonto. I listened to it and I'm like, I don't even know how they made that. It just wow. sounds so good. There's yeah. so much going on in it. That's true. And it's right. like weird. It's it's a bit like sort of Kate Bush, that album. It is, yeah. But her melodies are so unusual. The lyrics, there's words in there, and I was thinking, what is she saying there? And then I looked the lyrics up today and I she says Kinave, and I'm like, I don't think that's a word. I think she just <laughs> said something that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, a really odd record, but I just love it so much, that, that album. And I never hear anyone talk about it. You know, I haven't given it enough of a fair shot myself. I think you've inspired, I'm going to do a big, because it's it's an essential album in the in like the, the Becker and Fagan saga, right? Because they it's the first kind of creative collaboration they did after gaucho i think right right and and so. the, and it's gary Katz, so oh, it's, course, that's gary unusual yeah 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 that's unusual i gotta but, listen um, to it yeah i haven't given that you know what that's that's a, my bad i haven't done yeah there's about that. there's about five well i just took two out magic smile which sounds like steely dunn and then tonto okay. which sounds more like kate bush but um, then today I was like, I've, I've not been listening to the rest of this album. And I listened again and there's like at least five really strong ones. There's one called The Box or something. Um, and there's another really good one. But yeah, it's just all really sort of interesting harmonies and melodies and lyrics. But also the way they've crafted it is just mad. The sound that it's got. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and Donald and it looks like Donald and Walter play on a lot of it, like Donald on keyboards. So it was kind of yeah. Like, I mean, it's almost yeah, like a half of yeah. the Steely Dan record, and a lot of the session players too are people who played on uh, Asia and Gaucho. So there's a few. Yeah, interesting. You can very much hear well, that. Well, I, yeah. I I feel like I'm missing a huge thing. Like <laughs> just when I think <laughs> oh, I reached the bottom, uh, there's more. Yeah. <laughs>
Wow. You're okay. in for a treat then. Yeah, Elliot Shiner, He's... engineer, Bob Ludwig, mastering. Yeah, this is a, and of course, Gary Katz. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah. I but Tonto, it. that's Tonto. Tonto's for me. the one I should, what, what should, what's the first song I should listen to? Well, Magic Smiles just sounds like another Steely Dan, missing okay. Steely Dan song. Yeah. And then Tonto is just, it's got a whole sound of its own for me, like the drums. It's, it, that's the one for me. Okay. That's, I'm fascinated by it. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, I'm going to go listen to that very soon, if not yeah, tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on to the China. The one for me is the China Crisis album. Oh, I love I've that. Just I just got actually own it on uh, vinyl. I had to. I the blue one. Just, the blue one. I I secured a copy, and it's yeah. Fantastic. Isn't it mad? It's like it's like this band, and then suddenly there's little like sections where it's just gone into a Steely Dan instrumental, and they're two sort of completely unconnected things. Yeah, because like half the time it's like, okay, I'm listening to a kind of 80s new wave. You know, yeah. it's, it's more along the lines of um, almost like Echo and the Bunnymen or or um, I'm trying to think of exactly. more, the Cure even at times. Um, but then there'll be like a moment yeah. where I'm like, wait a minute, this is pure gaucho. Like uh, that song, <laughs> You Did Cut Me, I feel like is, is right yeah. in the Steely Dan like sweet spot. So I like Gift of Freedom. But yeah, it, I thought the same thing. I was like, okay. wow. Apparently, <laughs> it was something in Hastings, which is like a seaside town in the UK. It's quite mad. Interesting. So yeah, that's my new. Yeah, that's my new uh, sort of discovery. <laughs> <laughs>